Welcome to Wellness Spring. Today, our special guest is an amazing soul. His name is Nick Harry Tatos, and he has led an incredible journey. He is an extremely successful entrepreneur, soccer player, former military commander, pilot, and a best-selling author of No Limits. The foreword of his book was written by Jack Canfield, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul series, and known as America's number one success coach. He is such a remarkable soul, and I can't wait for you all to hear his story. And I'm very grateful to a communal friend, Marav Taka, who is a multiple best-selling author and writing coach for introducing us. So welcome, Nick, to Wellness Spring. It's so lovely to have you on the show. It is nice to be here. Hello, everyone, all the listeners, and thank you for having me. Pleasure. And um, before we delve into your book, because um, it is definitely a page turner, and I can highly recommend it. Your life has just been you know, full of obstacles, full of challenges, and, you know, that intrigue and mystery, um, we, which we'll go a little bit in depth, but we want the audience as well to read it. So could you tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, your parents, siblings, education, and then we'll, you know, see where that takes us. Well, I was born after the Second World War in Patras, Greece. Um, my dad fought in the Second World War, the Italian army in the northwest of Greece. And um, he, his life story actually encouraged me to do a lot of things in life. And uh, he, he would have been actually hanged by the Nazis because they got him uh, taking certain door because he was a baker, master baker, and the bakery that he was working was commandeered by the German army in the city of Patras, on the west side of Greece. And then um, he was helping his neighbors while they were starving with dirty door that was marked in the machines of the bakery. But because he had built a good relationship with a, a German kennel who used to take care of the food supplies in the city of Patras, and because he made such a good bread for the German army, when they caught him, after two years of, of giving uh, dough or bread to the neighbors stealthily, they were going to hang him. And because he had produced good bread for the German uh, army, and because the German uh, kennel that used to come and inspect the bakery got special uh, bread that he used to make for him, especially to give him the time that he used to come and visit, they made a relationship with him. He created certain uh, connections with him in terms of um, 
like each other, they worked very well. Although he, he was very unhappy because he fought the Italians first and he fought the, the Germans after because the, the, the Italians could not penetrate the, the Greek defenses for about six months. So the German mechanized divisions came into Greece. And he had to come back to the bakery because then the Germans took over. And that actually inspired me because he did a, a, some impossible things. And if it wasn't, if he was uh, hanged at that time, I wouldn't be here today. So um, I grew up in the bakery when I was young. I used to go and visit him in the bakery in Patras. And um, somehow I, I was connected to business when I was at young age. So I went to school in Patras, but I finished my education in Rhodesia, where we moved in. I'll tell you the story later when you ask me the different questions about Rhodesia, etc. And um, I left Greece, my dad and, and took the whole family to, to Southern Africa when I was 12 years old. But then I, I graduated from high school and I went straight into business. Wow. What a story. Oh my goodness. I feel for your father and thankfully he was alive to, you know, have you children. So what about your brothers and sisters? Because I know you have some. I got a brother and two sisters. And um, I was the last in the family. So I was a little bit spoiled, so to speak. And not that I could get what I wanted. No, that wasn't the case. <laughs> my father was a um, straightforward man. My mother was a very loving person, very loving person, religious, mm -hmm. good cook, and a very clean person. Always dress up smartly. And um, she was also strict. Yeah. We were naughty when we were young, we were a little bit naughty, doing all sorts of things, <laughs> especially playing soccer. But my dad, play soccer, professional soccer. And he used to take us to Olympia, which is the ancient, where the, the first stadium of the ancient Olympic Games took place two and a half thousand years ago. Wow, so that, that must have been awesome. Yes, yes, he used to take us there to run and uh, teach us how to really get on and do things, you know, feel um, athletic, think about being strong, healthy and all that type of stuff. So he gave us some, some sort of a guide in terms of life. And my brother was a businessman, he's in the book, he had a lot of businesses. And uh, we crisscrossed the business together. Sometimes we had a bit of an argument because there were certain things <laughs> that uh, I didn't agree with him. And, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, I won because I knew I was right, he was wrong, and he apologized for that. <laughs> and, um, and my two sisters um, kept in touch, especially my one who was actually very close to me all the way, and I still talk to her today. I speak to her all the time today. 
she still lives in that part of the world and I, I keep on calling her and talk to her with very good friends. Fabulous. And why did your father move to Rhodesia and take all the family there? My, my dad left and um, what happened is after the Germans were defeated, 1945, and they left, there was a civil war in peace between the conservatives and the communists, so to speak. One supported by the Western world and the other one was, support, was supported by Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc. And it went for about five years. It was very, very bad because they just came out from the war two wars, one with Italy, one with Germans. And then um, there was a civil war for almost four and a half years. And he lost his siblings and he wasn't feeling very happy. He was very sad. He couldn't find them. He, he didn't knew that they passed away. And it, it was difficult for him to actually remain there. And he decided to take the family and immigrate to Southern Africa, to a, a country called Rhodesia. It was a British wow. colony, uh, from, uh, British colony, speaking English, driving on the wrong side of the road, and you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, I know what that's like, having moved to different countries, like from Wales and then living in Europe driving on the different sides and America and so forth. And yeah, and to reinvent yourself as a young child as well, you know, it's quite difficult going to a school where they speak in a foreign language. So that would have been difficult. And yes. um, I believe because throughout the book, you talk about soccer and what a big role. And obviously your dad was a big influence there that, the soccer helped you in a lot of cases when you were getting bullied. Yes, because what happened is I was the youngest in the class because in Greece we start, in, we start um, the school in uh, August, September. Yeah. And in Rhodesia, because it's a southern part like Australia, because the southern part of the southern hemisphere, they start in January. So we went. Right. We arrived there in, at the end of December. So I was in, in Greece in school for three months. When I went to Rhodesia, they, they put me up one class on top. So I was the youngest in the class. So, and I had a bit of, you know, to speak English. And while I have learned some English, I went to English school in, in Greece. It was a little bit different. Um, I had an accent, so they would laugh at me. But uh, soccer actually worked very well for me because um, I was there like a week or so when my, my, I told my dad the, the issues I had, how uncomfortable I was feeling, and says, what about soccer? You know, you've been playing soccer. I used to buy you soccer shoes all the time. I taught you how to play soccer from six, seven years old. Come on, go there, go to the field, and you will make friends there because some of these guys, when they see you play, if you play well, you're going to be there. Exactly what he said, it came true. I was there for two days, and the coach saw me. Because when you're a coach, 
you can see the thing straight away. You know, the, the technique, the way you play and everything else. So he called me and he said, I never seen you before. I said, yeah, I'm new here. He says, wow, hmm. you like to play soccer? I said, of course, that's why I'm here. So he said, well, I like you to come and play. I like you to come and play on the team. And do, do you like to play? I said, absolutely. Then he gave me the list of items that I need to buy, you know, the, top, the uniforms and all that type of stuff, shoes and everything else. And then uh, I took the list to my parents and I said, hey, you know, this is it. He said, son, you will get this tomorrow. Not a problem. We'll get it for you. You go and get on. Kick few butts just at the same time. Just go for it. So, <laughs> and I made a lot of friends on the, on the soccer field. And my, my, a lot of my um, people who were not happy with me when they were not really nice to me, they became my good friends. Because on wow. the field, we, we were a team. You know, we had to, you know, we shouted at each other, of course, but in a, friend, in a very friendly manner. So we did the right um, connection from the beginning. And so my life became a little bit easier because of soccer, yes. And then from there, everywhere I went, soccer helped me. Every city I went, everywhere, playing professional and all that stuff, soccer actually came to my rescue quite a few times. Yes, I think um, sports is a great way of bringing people together. And as you know, um, in the World Cup 1995, I was there with the Australian Wallabies and Nelson Mandela managed to bring the whole country together. Yeah. So it's, it's a brilliant way. And um, as a professional networker, I know that sports bring people together. So... Because your book is a memoir and tells you so much about your challenging journey, um, would you like to tell us who or what inspired you to write your book? <clears throat> yeah, for the last 20 years, people have been telling me to write a book about my life. My path has been unique, really taking new investments from Greece, where I was born, to Southern Africa, and finally to the United States. <clears throat> Everywhere I have landed, I made a beautiful life. Not because I was born into wealth, but avoided making mistakes, no. But because I had an unusual color, unusual outlook that colors my life. I believe, I don't believe in limits. To me, there was no limits. I'd never believe in limits. So I was a rebel when it came to listen to certain people say certain things. I, I throw that away. So writing a book also, it will capture the adventures that all that I have lived through in four countries and three continents, 23 businesses beautiful family, travel, challenges and achievements. So I also want to inspire and motivate people who want to improve their lives and have a great joy, find a great joy in life. I can do that by sharing my life, my life story and lessons, and to create 
how to create success, satisfaction for yourself, to make your own life precisely the way we want to do. And most importantly, before my late wife also, and passed away, she requested for me that I write a book that I always say that I will write, and I promise you I will do. And it is dedicated to her, and it's for her. Fabulous. Because, yes, not only did you start businesses, you started at a very young age. And, you know, you've had to reinvent yourself in each country that you've gone to and start from scratch. And it's not just an ordinary business. You have created multi-million dollar businesses from nothing. So would you like to tell us about the first business you owned? Yes, <laughs> it's actually funny. Um, uh, when we went to Rhodesia, I was actually 12 years old. And um, Rhodesia at that time was a British colony in Southern Africa, right? And at the age of 14, when I start thinking little bit things, um, I used to go and visit my father's bakery that he bought then, and he tried to make it bigger. In the bakery, I was 14 years old, the bakery, every time I went there, it was always very busy. And there was a lot of activity, a lot of activity there. There were vans loading, offloading, and trucks that would bring in flour, bags and bags of flour, sugar, oil, in and out. It excited me, it excited me, it excited me so much that I thought I want to be part of that action. And I went in to help. He never asked me to go there. I just liked it. It was so, it was so exciting for me. And then and then I decided, you know, I like to own my own business as soon as possible. As soon as possible. So when I was 16, I noticed that the business came up for sale. Uh, called, uh, it was a restaurant actually, a restaurant and uh, making, selling food and groceries named Mambo Cafe. I thought to myself, why I shouldn't buy this business? You know, I didn't say, oh, can I buy this business? I thought the opposite. Why can't I buy this business? This is important. And I start, I immediately start thinking, how can I buy this business? How can I get involved with it? I had a little bit of money saved because I was helping my dad. He used to give me something there. So I thought, well, it, I knew it was a good business because the owner had it for a long time. So when somebody has a business for a long time, he likes it. But he had also other businesses. So I thought if I, if, if I can put the, the, the money that I have, if I can put it as a deposit, a down payment, and I can get to pay the balance on installments. I should buy this business. Why I shouldn't buy it? I should buy it. So I told my father, there's this business for sale and I want to buy it. He looked at me and said, are you sure you want to buy a business, Nico? Because in Greek, Nick means Nico. I say, yes, Dad. He looked at me again. 
are you sure you want to buy this buy a business? I say, yes, again. So he looked at me and said, well, if you want to buy it, go for it. Nothing is impossible. Everything is possible. Go for it. But because I was only 16 at that time, I couldn't get the license, sign the contract, open a bank account, sign the checks, nothing. I was underage. So I went to see my mother. I thought maybe I can tell my mother to put in her name. So when I told her the story, she looked at me and said, what? <laughs> what? I said, mom, you're not going to do anything. He says, are you sure, Nico, you can do it? Said, I said, mom, I can do it. He says, how can you go to high school, help in the bakery that you're helping, part-time, and run your own business? I said, no, no, mom, this business is special. It has six employees and the manager. The present owner doesn't run the business. He has other businesses. He delivers the inventory in the daytime. He comes and picks up the cash, they give, give them the, the inventory, leaves the inventory that they ordered the day before, gets the cash, and he goes. I can do the same. Why can't I do that? I can do the same. It fits perfect. I'm not going to run the business. I can, I can do exactly what he's doing. But I know the business needs a bit of new blood. It's not very far from the bakery or from the house, from home. So I can improve this place. I can paint it, clean it up, make it more nicer. And I want to buy it. I say, you know, I will get the checkbook. I'll bring it home. You can sign the whole check one time whenever you have a chance. So you don't have to, I don't have to come and bother you all the time to sign the checks to pay the, the, the suppliers and all the expenses. Sign the whole checkbook. Those days they had the, a, two, a double checkbook, you know, like 200 checks. So you just sign it, you do nothing, nothing else. That's it, man. He says, you mean to tell me that that's it I'm going to do? I said, yes, man, yes. Says, I'm not involved in anything. I said, no. No. It's going to be my baby. That's okay. She gave me the blessing. So I bought the business. And um, we clean it up, increase the, the sales, and it was a nice little business. So much so, it gave me quite good money that three years later, I bought another business with 14 people. And four years after that, I had enough money when my dad wanted to sell my retire, sort of retire, but it's all in my book. Yeah. I say, I want to buy the business. So I bought 50% of the bakery business. So by the time I was 25, I had three businesses to run. So that is, that's how I started from 16 years old. And I never worked for anybody in my life, never. Wow, that's incredible. And obviously your mother, 
must have believed in you and took a big risk to, you know, be your guarantor for the business. And um, I know from your book, you're a big lover of risk, but for the audience, um, can you tell them your thoughts of being a risk taker? Well, um, first of all, when I was in Greece, I had that accident with my small car that I built. And oh, that was, was hilarious when I read that about you building it um, completely by yourself out of yes. metal and so forth. Yes. And when I was recuperating from my injuries, I decided I had to grow up. That is not acceptable. What I did, it wasn't right. And I, I put my mother into a lot of problems because she didn't do anything what I did. Until, of course, I had to take me to hospital. Okay, so... Yeah, tell the audience what happened, how you built the car and what happened that day. Well, first of all, I was crazy about speed all the time. I love, I love speed. I race cars, I race boats, I race airplanes. I didn't do racing on airplanes, but I, I, li I like speed. You know, my airplanes were always very fast very fast <laughs> you would go uh, you know if, if they were the best in the categories you know always my cars and everything was always i mean a lot of guys would come and challenge me to race and all that type of nonsense when you are at that young age so when my dad left uh, greece to go to rhodesia first for the first 18 months i decided i want to build a, a car and because at that time I thought, well, I'll take the car to Rhodesia with, with us. I didn't realize, you know, putting it in the, it's going to take a lot of space to send it with, uh, you know, by freight and all that type of stuff. So I decided to build a, a car, a four-seater, four-seater with the pedals. So, but every, every seat should have a pedal. So if you take four people, they all pedal. <laughs> and, but it wasn't fast enough. So we... I will go up to the hills, build up speed, and then release the stuff. Okay? And I'll only use the brakes to stop, or when we come level. But in this particular place, we went to one hill that at the edge, it, it was a lot of little stones. So when, we, when I turned around, the car got out, and we went into a ditch. Wow. But Prior to that, um, I think it was like a day or two or three before that, the, the screw came from the, the steering wheel, the screw came out, and instead of me trying to put another screw and tie the nut and, and discover why that nut got loose, because I didn't put a lock nut washer, it was just a normal, wash, a normal screw with a normal washer. But now, you know, Later, I realized that it was uh, it was quick, quick, you know, because I wanted to, to use that car after school, quick, you know, jump into the car with the friends. They were, they were, I said to me, come, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know, so you, you fall you fall into that and you go. So anyway, I put the nail, a, a very long, rusty nail into the steering wheel instead of looking for a screw. And I didn't took the pliers to bend it underneath. So the nail gets away from between my two 
legs. So we were coming down very fast and we got off, hit a ditch, jump up, we were born, another ditch down. Bam. So it, it just came to a, a, a very ugly standstill. Stop, right, boom. So two guys flew on top of me, oh. right on top. And the guy behind me, before he got out, he hit me so hard that I went against the, 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 the shaft of the, of the steering wheel, the bar, all the way down. And the, the nail went through my legs. It hit a bone wow. and it went out from one leg and hit the other leg. And I didn't realize what was going on because I wanted to get out and something was stopping me. So my, my cousin next to me, he says, oh, Nico, you got big trouble there. So he put his fingers between the nail, pushed my, my feet down, my leg down, so I can be released from the, from the nail. Because every time I moved my leg, it was opening and opening. It made a big hole like this. Wow. Big hole like this, just for you to know the size. I mean, it's still here today. Those, those marks, they will never go because it's, it's a separate skin. So anyway, um, my, my feet, everything, my shoes got full of blood, filled up with blood. And we got, I got out, I cut my shirt. I closed it up you know, so the blood doesn't run, but the blood run continuously. Anyway, the, the car wheels and everything else, they opened up. The car couldn't really drive, so we took some, the, the guys took a hammer because I couldn't really do anything. They took a, a big rock and they used it like a hammer to get the wheel straight. Wow. So we can now take it, push it to, to the house. And uh, that nail was actually from a construction site and it was rusted. So the rust, and the dead that that nail, it was a big, long, Big long nail, but very, very rusty. But I didn't care about that, and I didn't even know that, what that rust can do at that age. I mean, like, like 10, 11, somewhere around there. So I didn't say anything to my mother because I knew if I say anything, she would burn me using the car again. Because that's, you know, that's how it is. Yeah. So I told her it was just, I fall on a rock and I cut myself. So I said, oh, don't worry, mom, I'm okay. So I left it there for two, three, four, five days. And one day I was at school. You know, I, I couldn't walk to school very easily anymore. Every day was getting worse and worse. And my cousin that he was with me, he actually helped me from time to time. He could come to the house. My mom would know nothing, you know, nothing. We just, and one day when I sat down, you know, three, about, I say three, four, five days later, on the table, and I had the pen writing. The pen slipped and fallen down. When I bent down to pick up the, the pen, I smell rotten. And something was oh. like, oh, so what the heck is this? Because I had, I had the bandage on my, on my uh, wound, but I didn't really replace it over and over. I didn't know at that time that you have to replace it and replace it and clean it and use anti, anti whatever you call it, all these things. That Antiseptic, you, yeah. Antiseptic and uh, antibiotics and all that stuff because it was yeah. rusty. I, I didn't touch any of that. When I 
realize what happened. I thought, ah, 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 there's something wrong here. Both, both legs were smelling. Then I had to tell my mother. When she looked at it, mm. then I observed what immediately took me to hospital. And uh, the guys, the doctors, they had to say, what, you're going to lose your, your legs here? Because it's already having tangerine growing. Mm. So the, they, they had to make a big hole, clean up everything, put me to sleep. And uh, it was a very good lesson because after that, I had to sit down and think carefully. And my mom ran me to ride the bike, I think to the, the, the car for about four, four months, five months, six months, something like that. And my, my father didn't even knew because he was already in the vision. So she cried a lot at the hospital, says, what, how can I take you to Odisha with no, with no, you know, no feet, no legs? Luckily enough, the operation was successful, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. So that's why wow, that, that must have been so scary, Nick, thinking you might lose your legs, yes. especially to be such an active um, soccer player and as you call yourself a rebel, you know, doing a lot of activities. And you're also a creative genius to come up with um, the idea of making that car, you know, at such a young age. And how did you cope in Rhodesia, meaning you became a military commander and, um, what was that like? Well, uh, let me just finish with the, with the, with the car. That car, uh, actually, I was dreaming about it. I made the sketches, how I wanted it, how to work, and everything. It was something that no one saw before. It was actually mm. incredible. And in fact, when I, we left, I was very sad to leave it behind. But uh, I think that particular time, that I said to, re to rehabilitate myself and I couldn't do anything with my legs and feet, I realized that I had to grow up very fast to become a very responsible person. And that I think changed my thinking. Now, uh, when I went to Rhodesia, when we went to Rhodesia, uh, I had businesses, which you've already written in the book. I had uh, three businesses at the time. And uh, because um, in Rhodesia, uh, later um, in the 70s, early 70s, there was um, us entrepreneurs in Rhodesia, um, we had a problem in the sense that a horroring guerrilla was started that was supported by China, North Korea on one side of the country and um, Soviet Union and its allies of the Eastern Bloc on the other side. So they, uh, China, North Korea and the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc all supplied weapons and trained the guerrilla fighters to destabilize Rhodesia. So at the time, uh, because I spoke three African languages, indigenous languages at the time, 
And because I was a successful young businessman, owning at that time also three businesses right there, and with management experience, I fitted perfectly for the new military units that they were created by the government to protect the local population on the, on the border areas where the fighting was taking place. So I was drafted and trained to become a military commander with three stars and to be knowledge in combat operations and hot pursuit tactics and on the front lines of the Rhodesian borders. My duty as a commander was uh, to be in charge of a newly built protected villages, housing up to 5,000 people. My headquarters uh, there included a 35 feet observation tower right in the center of the village with machine guns and sandbags in all four directions. And that was because, and, and radios 24 seven, fully radios with a control room in the base. The base actually was below the, below the ground and earth, earthworks 10 feet uh, wide. So for mortars and rockets and, 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 and missiles that they used to send on us to be, to be, to be covered. So, and we had, uh, we had to defend and repulse uh, the, uh, repulse them many attacks, especially at night. That's, that's the guerrilla tactics. They don't challenge you in the day, they tell you in the night and then they run. So I was required to carry my machine gun with 100 rounds of ammunition on my shoulders 18 hours a day. And I was in command of a patrol with my soldiers on the border areas. And um, in the night, I would sleep for five hours because I was the commander and my machine gun was next to me, next to my bed. And, uh, <clears throat> and it was actually, uh, and I was always ready for combat, anytime. And we had a lot of that. And um, yeah, it was, um, there is more, much more details in my book that I cannot yeah. really write. It's, it's not what happened. And for, I did this for two years. I did this for two years and um, at no end. And I, lo I lost many soldiers and, uh, and seeing them also get injured. And, you know, I sat there and I wonder every day what I was doing there in the jungle. I was a businessman. If I wanted to be in, uh, in the military, I would have joined the military. I love people, I spoke the language, I always like to speak to everyone, be happy with everyone, keep everybody happy. That makes me happy, makes me smile. So I'm, I'm lucky to be alive today and thanks my, thank my lucky stars upstairs in heaven. Wow, and how old were you? Because that was, um, you know, a big role for someone who wasn't trained in the mm -hmm. military and wasn't his choice. And as you said, you know, um, you were a businessman. Yes, and I was about, uh, I think I was about 28, 29, and uh, wow. one, I, I was one of the youngest commanders in, the, in that particular program. I think we were about yeah. 400 of us, four, between wow. three and 500, I would say somewhere around there, and quite a few of us were, were killed. Um, yeah. 
but it was actually quite um, quite uh, dramatic um, part of my life, period of my yeah. life. Yeah. You know, those days we didn't knew um, the post-traumatic stress. You know, I would see friends of them committing suicide. That they were, they were commanders. That you know, I couldn't understand what was going on. Why? Why they were doing this with good families and all that stuff. And um, I'm just lucky that I had a very strong uh, character, and I was very strong in mind because of my training in business. You know, everything came to mm -hmm. me. I had to really uh, decide, and um, I spoke the language. I think that helped me a lot because I, I, I introduced new things there. You see everything in my book, including uh, putting soccer, uh, soccer. Um, Teachers making youngsters to play soccer and keep them busy, and that built a very good relationship with the, with the people there, including the chiefs. In fact, uh, the chiefs having difficulties having food, they will bring me food as a gesture of respect and love for me. And some of them, when I when my deployment came to an end, they would come to me and say, "Can you stay more?" But I say no, I cannot do it because I will be deployed again in six weeks' time. You know, six weeks, six weeks, six weeks, six weeks. I will go back and forth in different in different parts of the country. It was actually quite um, quite difficult period of my life, and so much so. If you want me to also tell you what I did after that, and you know why I left the country, I can I can tell you also. Absolutely, tell us why you left Rhodesia. Well, um, because of the war. And at that time, I had um, I sold the bakery that I got involved in the other two businesses, so three businesses altogether, or two and a half businesses. And I took all the funds that I had, and I wanted to do something crazy. And because I had I had this, the, the business until about 24, these three business until I was 24, from 16 to 24. So by the time I was but by the time I was actually 21, I had the three businesses. So nobody could believe it. They all thought I walked no, there. That's... I'm working there, but it, it didn't matter to me. You know, some of the people that they came as, as um, inspectors or as uh, representatives, when they looked at me, they said, no, no, we want to talk to the owner. I said, I'm the owner. No, no, they huh. want, we talk to the owner. I said, I'm the owner. If you want to do anything, you talk to me. Otherwise, we can't do business. So anyway, um, I saw that, and I decided to open. I sold all those three, and I decided to do something different, more crazy than those three. And um, I decided to go away from, move away from the city where I was living in Katuma to the, to the city of Fort Victoria. It was a big, bigger city, but it was 200 miles away from where I was based for the last uh, um, 11, 12, 13 years, something like 13 years. So I had nobody there. There was no friends, no relatives, no contacts, nothing. And I decided to go 200 miles away and open a drive-in cinema. Now, drive-in cinema, actually, uh, that particular drive-in cinema, it was actually three businesses. 
because we built a big restaurant while I was making the, the plans. Um, I built um, a big restaurant and a bar, a bar. That was the first in the country. Others followed wow. me. Others followed me when they saw my package that I gave the people. Uh, they follow me because it was very popular. The bar and the restaurant. We could. The restaurant was quite a big actually because we made it to supply to produce 250 chickens, half chickens a night. Wow! And that was for a matter of like 40 minutes because you have the interval, and that's yeah. the time they come in to buy. So we had all the equipment inside, a lot of equipment, and. Um, to produce these things for that quick time. And there were that two, two businesses, you know, the restaurant, the bar, and the projection that used to bring the movies. And in order to get more people to come in, we, um, I decided also to build a um, playground. So the families can come in, the youngsters play at the playground, then they come, get something to eat, the husband and wife or friends, whatever, they go to the bar and have something to drink there, and then they watch a movie. So it was like an afternoon outing, so to speak. But on top of that, um, the, the area was 15 and a half acres, the land. So I had more space after I built the playground, the parking, we had the parking for 800 cars. Oh my God, that's enormous. 800 cars. So there was an extra space. So I said, you know, I also built um, 10 apartments for the staff, for senior staff, because we had about 25, 28 people. So I decided I rather build a soccer field. Also, because we had 800 parking bays, so people can come and watch soccer or play soccer, park the cars, they don't have to look for parking, worry about parking, just park and come and play. And then go to the movies. So it was actually that combination that the business became very, very successful. I also put, nine, I, I planted 900 cypress trees around the property. Wow. 900. 900. Unbelievable. So, yes. So the, 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 the business was so successful that within the first year, I bought a dry cleaning and laundry business. And a year after that, that was a commercial laundry and dry cleaning business, quite a big one. And had a lot of depots that we supplied. And then a year after that, I invested quite a lot of money in a gold mining operation. Completely different, gold mining. So everything was going nicely until I was called up, trained, and I had to leave my businesses, let my wife sort of be in charge. I had managers, but I was in and out all the time, in and, in and out. I couldn't really settle. I did this in the military for two years. 
And when it came to a situation where I said, you know, what am I doing here in this jungle? Day in, day out, paint ourselves black, black paint, you know, and all that stuff. It's, it was not an easy thing, very difficult time. I had actually, at that time, when this thing started happening, uh, no one wanted to buy a business anymore because of the situation. Mm -hmm. So I had two choices. One, stay and fight, continue fighting, in and out, in and out, maybe get killed or maybe get injured because I had friends also you know, blown with landmines and uh, you know, anti-personal mines. I can go on and on, let me not say that. Or leave everything and leave to go to South Africa, which at that time, South Africa was the richest and the most industrialized nation on the African continent. Okay. So I decided to do just that. So I left. I left everything behind and I decided to start from the beginning, from scratch. After 14 years in Rhodesia of hard work in Rhodesia, I left everything behind and I left. That's behind. remarkable. And you've covered a lot of information there about the life in the military. And I know you go more in depth in your book about it because it's very political and all the atrocities you had to face and, you know, juggling. But, back and forth with your wife and the businesses and you know for for you to have all those fresh ideas while you were in the military and start all these new businesses as well and then to make that decision okay I value my life I'm out of here and you discussed it with your lovely wife and you know some people thought you were crazy leaving all your businesses and you went and you went to Durban and start no okay business is it, it doesn't matter business is nothing you know you can do no one can rebuild me if I explode you know if I it only takes one bullet here there or somewhere or one yeah. RPG rocket a rocket prepared grenade or one missile and I'm done you know, I will be the richest man in the cemetery. What I need that for? So, exactly. You know, I thought to myself, we're still young, and uh, we're full of ideas, very energetic, and we always uh, like to to the city of Durban in South Africa because that's where my late wife went to university, and then uh, and in South Africa, I I must say I created a beautiful family. We went to flying college to complete training and become a successful pilot. And I flew my own planes all over Southern Africa for business and pleasure. And in fact, I never took commercial flights. I flew with my aeroplanes because I would take my managers and go. And it was for me, it was just like a holiday all the time. So I professional, I played professional soccer in my city, Durban. And just like, just like I play in Gatuma and Port Victoria in Rhodesia. I created, I created, bought and built 11 successful companies, 11. Some of them are made three to 10 times bigger. And I, I, I like to mention three, if you allow me to give you- Absolutely. Uh, but all the others are in my book, explaining how it was done. So, um, you know, we moved to, to Durban 
South Africa and South Africa. As I say, it was very rich country. As you know, they produce gold, diamonds, platinum, uh, uh, titanium, you name it, steel, everything, even oil, you know, out of coal. So, um, Durban is the biggest port in Africa, the biggest port on the African continent, with hundreds and hundreds of ships unloading and loading every month. So we did not have enough money when we went because I left everything behind. But I had a little bit because I have planned a little bit to have for a rainy day. So which is everything in the book. But um, I decided to start a security company, a security company. Because security, you don't have a, a lot of machinery and you don't need so much capital. And also I was fresh from the military experience and I knew I can train and create um, uh, best guards and security officers in behavior, skills and uh, appearance. The uniforms we made, they were navy blue trousers, long trousers with, uh, with black leather belts, light blue shirts and black long high black leather military boots. So we uh, targeted the ships and we, were, we got a contract to do um, many, many ships on the hatches. You know, every ship has like six or eight or 10 hatches where they, um, they offload machinery, food, equipment, and many other products from one country to another. So we also targeted big car dealerships, big buildings, and, and, um, and, and quite a few other bigger projects. So I started and I trained the guards. I trained them to make them the way I want them to be. And my friend actually did the service. We broke even within the first six months, we broke even. And within three years, after three years, we had over 300 guards, 300. Wow, that's incredible. That was the first business. In, in, in less than a year also, after arriving in Durban, um, we bought a beautiful house with a minimum, minimum deposit. And I tried a very, and I, and I made a very skillful negotiations with the seller. It, it's, it is, it is a, a, on one of the chapters in my book. I got a beautiful home for a very small deposit. And I lived in that house until we left South Africa. So it was really very, very, important to me because I kept my family very happy. So business number two that I bought uh, within a year, year and a half after that was a leather business that I bought approximately about a year after, just over a year later. This was specialized business making leather garments, leather and suede garments for about 400 boutiques around South Africa and had about 18 employees. 
I could visualize how this business could look in five to 10 years, because I, I, I have a very good visualization when I see a business, what I can do with it, every business, even buildings and things like that, I, I, I can see the visualization. So I could see how to do five to 10 years down the line under me. So I started moving it to the new, a new brand new factory because in, in fashion, you have to have beautiful things for people to enjoy, especially when you make very high top quality garments for specialized boutiques, expensive boutiques. So I, I installed new machinery and equipment, used all my business experience, and I expanded it from 18 employees to 80, eight zero to 80. Wow. And, and I increased the sales and profit seven times. That's also, unbelievable. Yes, and it's all in the book. It's all in the you, book. You have the Midas touch, Nick. <laughs> You're a creative visionary, creative genius, and the Midas touch. So um, I'm aware of the time. So um, what tips could you give to someone that is starting out in business? Oh, right. So you want me to tell you the tips about the business? Yeah. Okay. So, first of all, when a person starts a business, before a person starts a business, before, they must do their homework. They must do their homework seriously. Seriously. If you want, if you seriously want to get involved in business, because there's a lot of benefits, give you so much freedom to own your own business. You are not tied down. And that freedom gives you energy. That energy gives you determination, gives you anything to do. So, so the first thing you have to do, you have to look at the pros and the cons of the situation of opening a business. Now, make sure you have the passion, first of all, energy, determination, enthusiasm to make it work. Because you will have some ups and downs in a business like this. You have to have your head right. You have to have the passion and determination to move on, to make it happen. Okay? You can make your own path because based on that, that's how you make your own path. Because that's your determination. Okay? In life, we encounter challenges and opportunities. And we can, over we can over uh, overcome those challenges if you love what you're doing. And, and you have to love that and you have to love your life. You can't just love business. You have to love also your life to be happy to live, to be able to have that energy for the business. Now, you can make your own, your own destiny based on these things that I just told you. You need that passion. You need that determination. And don't wait for anyone to do it for you. You have to do that. Anything is possible. There are no limits. There are no limits. Depends how much effort you put, how much time you put in, and, and what you do, you, you have to think about it. And if things go a little bit down, don't give up. Don't give up. Because as you know, I've got 15 uh, pillars that intertwine with the 27 chapters in the book. And it tells you exactly how to do things, the way I did it, how it happened. So if people start a business and they're not prepared for that business, they haven't done the homework, Sometimes you may 
find yourself in trouble. Yeah, that's really good advice. Be prepared, do your homework and, you know, go with the flow because life has so many ups and downs, yes. you know. Yes. And um, I think, you know, after the COVID pandemic, many people have had to reinvent themselves. Yes. So if people are just starting out with a new business because what they were doing before doesn't exist, what would you tell them? Would it be the same advice? Yes, yes. Every business, first of all, you have to know what you're doing when you start a business. Don't go in with a closed eyes. That's what I say. You have to yeah. do your homework. You have to do your homework back and, back and forth. Build up yourself that energy, build that passion, that determination you want. Because to, uh, let's say this, if it was so easy to open a business, everybody would have a business. Yeah. You have to really have these qualities that I say and that determination. And also you have to work hard for it, but you can also work very smart. You don't have to work yourself 20 hours a day, running around, making no money, you have problems in your family, in your, with, your, with your children, husband or wife, husband, whatever it is, because you spend all the time in the business and then you don't have enough time for the family. You have to have also time for the family. You have to balance these things. You have to love going to work, but you have to also love coming back home. So that takes a certain commitment in the brain, in the mind, how to do these things. You have to plan these things properly to be able to do it. Step by step, carefully, ask, get information, decide, choose to go this way, do that way. But once you decide to do what you want to do, after you thought very, very carefully, go for it. Don't be wishy-washy, go for it. You've done your homework at the time that you knew you've done the best in your ability to actually decide to do that. But once you decide, trust what you have decided at that time and go for it. That's wonderful news. And if there was one thing you could do to change the world, what would it be? I would like for them to play a lot of sports because the sports <laughs> love, happiness and life. That is number one. War is it's not for me. What to, no. I love people. I love people. I have friends from the top level to the bottom level all around the world, all around the globe. They can be walkers. As you know, I walk the California Coastal Trail and many other walks around our planet. I mean, the California Coastal Trail alone is 1,200 miles long, almost more than 2,000 kilometers. And only few people done that. They start, they go a little bit, you know, they do 100, 200, 300 miles, they give up. You know, me, it's, to me, sports is very important for people to get together. I, I don't like wars. I like us to enjoy being happy. Love our family, love our children, love the people that they work for you, love your customers, love everything. Even your enemies for that matter. Think about that. You must always have an open mind because the cosmic law brings you all those beautiful things back to you. I believe in that. Oh, that's a wonderful message, Nick. Thank you. It's so important. And as we discussed earlier, you know, 
um, sports do bring people together and it's so important to love and be happy, do what you love and, and forgiveness as well, you know. And um, yeah, so on that note, because you are unstoppable, you know, with all this beautiful creative energy, you've written your book. So what's next for you now, Nick? Well, um, my book is already a bestseller, as you know. Okay. Yes. And now we're working to make it a double bestseller and international bestseller. Now, I also want to make a blockbuster movie with, wow. uh, with certain film stars that are very famous. So um, I know that my life has been unique and full of adventures, and I'm very thankful for it. Uh, everyone who read my book loved it, loved it so much. Many told me that they cry at the end. They cried at the end. Many, 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 many. Okay? And it's just a matter of time before some movie producers, top movie producers, come across my book, read it, and we'll, we will make a blockbuster movie. Because the book I published, I'm the publisher. Okay? I haven't, I haven't involved a publisher because basically they want everything. And I spent all the money that needed to make the book and I keep all the rights. I have all the rights. So, and my desire is to make a blockbuster movie. So if anyone who is listening and it has contacts in the movie industry, please contact me. I like to, to hear. It's, I'm open. I, have, I, I do interviews now one, at least once a week with people from different parts of the world. And it will come. And I, I am happy to say I'm in that position right now that I feel the book has such a good reviews. It, it, you know, it took me, as you know, it took me four and a half years to write a book. And I wrote it four times, four times to make it perfect. It was, it was longer, more chapters, more pages, but we trimmed it down to make it really beautiful, ready for a movie. Screenwriter already went through the book and it's ready for a movie. So my desire is to make that for the book. And there is a lot of things that we took out of the book. There's a lot of things also that I didn't like. So maybe once I get the movie going, I may, I may write another book the remaining stuff, but that's not on the program right now. My, my next priority is to make a blockbuster movie. Now, uh, the book, my book can be bought on Amazon, on a Kindle, which in, in, in some parts of the world, very, they, it costs very little. And uh, it's available through Amazon around the world in the countries, including Australia. And uh, if anybody wants to email me, for example, my email is no limits. My email is no limits by nick at gmail.com. No limits by nick at gmail.com. Now, nick is N I C K because some people is N I C, some uh, N I K. Mine is N I C K. And the book can be purchased on Amazon. And I want to tell, to leave you with this and, and for, for, the, for your viewers and listeners. There are no limits in life. I've done it three times in my life. There are no limits. There are no limits. Depends how you see life, how 
you can do things in life. Never give up. Take no, no, no for answers. No, no for answers. You can do, if I do it, anybody can do it. Wow. Thank you, Nick. You're such a bundle of inspiration. And to all the listeners, take note, no limits. Just go for it, do your homework, include sports and be happy, have fun and look after your family, include your family, love your family and friends and love everyone. And I shall put all your details with the show notes so people will have it and go out and buy his book. I'm putting the details for that. And I can't wait to see your blockbuster movie because I know it's going to happen. You, you, your story, and I can understand why the people were crying. Like, you know, you've gone through so many trials and tribulations, which I'm not going to say because people need to read the book and find out for themselves and discover it because you are a truly remarkable soul and to start so many businesses from scratch to change countries and now you're living in america and you even those walks that you did some nobody had done those walks before and you've you've done it there's you're unstoppable so thank you thank you thank you it was nice to be here i want to say to you thank you so much you're welcome and the pleasure was mine. Thank you.